And just by seeing, say, for example, the reverence that one elephant will say hello to another by placing their trunk in the other one's mouth, you know, that's a very trusting <laughs> thing because the other elephant could bite their very sensitive trunk. So that trusting behavior is is something that's very ritualized and very it's a very reverent thing. And when I mm. see elephants engaging in that, it just you know, it also if you have a dog at home, it reminds you of the importance of greeting. And you know, we mm. might wake up in the morning and we're so tired, we don't even want to look at our partner in the face and uh, get my coffee. Where we actually do much better if we look at each other in the face and smile at each other and whether you say I love you or just even just looking at each other, gaze is a really important um, element of our health. It, it, it releases mm. oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone and makes us feel good and it gives us stronger relationships. Great way to start mm. the day, it's just so simple. Look each other in the eye, say good morning. Hello and welcome to Year of the Pivot on the Beyond Networking Podcast. This season, we're learning from individuals and organizations who made monumental shifts in 2020 in order to keep their business alive and continue their mission. I'm your host, Brian Miller, an author, speaker, and consultant on human connection. Today's featured pivoter is Caitlin O'Connell. Caitlin is a scientist, author, and storyteller. She holds a PhD in ecology, holds positions at both Harvard and Stanford, is an award-winning author of nonfiction, children's books, graphic novels, and is a renowned expert on elephants. So what's that got to do with pivoting, resilience, adaptability, human connection, or even just networking for that matter? I had no idea. We were connected through a mutual acquaintance, and if I'm being honest, I only agreed to have Caitlin on the show out of politeness, and I'm so glad I did. This was the most unexpected, dare I say, wild conversation of the season, and quite possibly my favorite. Dr. O'Connell was just gearing up for a huge fundraising effort for her nonprofit organization, Utopia Scientific, when the pandemic wiped out all possible fundraising events for the foreseeable future. In her words, she was faced with a decision. Implode? or explode. And boy, did she explode in the most creative way possible. In this conversation, Caitlin and I discuss everything from the bone conduction properties of elephants to how hard it is to take our own advice to the value of pressing pause and how critical travel is in developing empathy, perspective, and understanding of both ourselves and our place in the world. And of course, we talked about Dr. O'Connell's new book, Wild Rituals, 10 Lessons Animals Can Teach Us About Connection, Community, and Ourselves. I've just started it recently, and it's wonderful. And now an asterisk. Upon listening back to our conversation, I noticed Caitlin and I both advocated passionately for some things that are really only afforded to people of privilege. Pausing during a pandemic to think critically about your future was not an option for people who didn't have savings or financial security. Travel has always been prohibitively expensive, particularly the kind of air travel we discussed to far-off lands and foreign cultures. 
So I wanted to underscore once again the critical role of luck, in this case, the luck of privilege, in the ability to pivot successfully during a pandemic. It's been a theme this season, and it's worth stating at least one more time. With that said, this conversation was truly magical, and I know you're going to love it. Check the show notes for all the ways to connect with Caitlin. Head to yearofthepivot.com for the Pivot Power newsletter, get notified when a new episode drops, the Pivot Pearl of the Week, and gain access to exclusive live streams, masterminds, and clubhouse get-togethers. And now I bring you Dr. Caitlin O'Connell. This episode was made possible by Riverside.fm. Capture full, high-quality, raw audio in up to 4K video natively and without any internet interruptions. That's right. Even if the internet blips out during the live call, your recording remains pristine. Head to Riverside.fm for your free trial and a big thank you for sponsoring Year of the Pivot. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful. Well, just before we get into anything, really, what are, what are you working on this week? What's on your plate like right now, this weekend, this, this week? This week, I'm promoting my new book, Wild Rituals, and been on the radio and interviews and yeah, it's been really fun. Do you do you enjoy doing the, the media tour kind of stuff? Um. You know, sometimes it's very hectic, but it's it's fun. It's fun to be able to tell people about what you've written and what inspired you. And uh, it, it's been an interesting, you know, of course, because of the pandemic, it's not a normal book tour. It's all virtual, uh, which is right. a whole new experience. But um, as a scientist having to give lectures online, I'm getting very used to this process. Mm. So you say giving lectures online, uh, is that as as a, a teacher, a professor? Yes, I'm a professor researcher at uh, Harvard Medical School. And um, my profession for the last 30 years is, is elephants, uh, elephant communication, studying elephant society, but also studying their hearing. And as it wow. relates to potentially making a better human hearing aid. And that's what I'm doing at Harvard right now. Uh, but it also involves wow. giving lectures and that that's so I feel like you're so used to that being your work that you don't even realize how crazy or wild that sounds to other people anymore. Like, that's <laughs> so cool. Uh, my uh, my stepfather was is a, a zookeeper. I mean, he's he's risen through and gone to to be, you know, curator and things like that. But like his, you know, my memories of him is a we used to go to the zoo and get the back stage tours all the time and see all that stuff and and then he ended up at some point in montana doing the grizzly bear discovery center and now he's in seattle at a zoo and so oh, um cool. that's yeah i i've been kind of around the behind the scenes of animals all my life um i don't think i ever took to it as well as he hoped i would i've been more into tech most of my life but i find so what you're doing though is bridging those two things really i mean in terms of that work right well, definitely it's definitely yeah. high tech for sure and engineering yeah uh and even you know studying elephant long distance communication there's a lot of physics so i have definitely been bridging the world of behavioral ecology <laughs> and physics and engineering 
So basically, you're a pretty uh, laid back, unimpressive person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I try to be laid back. (laughs) Tech and elephant. You said elephant. Did you say long distance communication? Yes, yes. Because I I had the image of an elephant like calling another elephant on Zoom. Uh, What did you mean (laughs) by long distance communication with elephants? Well, they have a very low frequency vocalization. they emit at about 20 hertz, and that 20 hertz wow. vocalization propagates um, miles and also a lot further in the ground, which is one of the areas that I spent a lot of time documenting. <laughs> um, wow. And they, they do this in order to keep in contact while they're um, foraging through the environment, and they, they need to have vocal contact for security, and, uh, but also to know if there's trouble in the distance or to detect rain mm. from long distance. Uh, it's very, you know, long distance communication is important to their survival. And it's very similar to a blue uh, whale, but it's out in the savanna. Their vocalizations are similar, similar structure. Wow, I, I, I had no idea. I mean, elephants are fascinating, obviously, but like I, I had no idea. And like, I, you're kind of speaking my language there because I went to school originally for audio engineering. Um, I, uh, you know, and it ended up, working out, I don't know, six to 18 years later, whatever, like, oh, we're now in a world where everything is tech and audio matters. And I'm like, oh, I kind of <laughs> didn't yeah. know I was setting myself up for this weird world we're in now. <laughs> it's uh, true. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a real audio geek. And so when you say 20 hertz, as soon as you said that, I thought, wow, that's like, that's like at the threshold of what humans can even perceive. Is, yes. You know, 20 hertz and is even about below, as low I mean, as we most can people go. can't perceive 20, like all of our right. audio equipment is we can f- from we 20 feel to it, but we can't hear it, right? Yes, we can feel it. It depends on how loud it's played also, but you could feel right. 20 hertz, but you can really only start hearing, you know, 35, 40 operationally. Right. But our, our tech, our audio tech equipment are specced from 20 to 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz, but our range is, is not, you know, it's like 35 to right. yeah, that's 12, so- 13,000 hertz. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 so interesting because I uh, I feel like this is it's so funny. I I want to try to restrain myself from going off on these this tangent because I feel like you and I could go down. The, I I'm like, oh, I'm excited to go down this this path about tech and audio and elephants. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll come back, but allow me one more quick thing on this. Um, what it just occurred to me is so often I found myself explaining what subwoofers do to my friends who had bought a subwoofer because Best Buy had a cool deal and they didn't understand. You know, I'm like, no, you're not, re- you're not supposed to hear really what's coming out of the sub. The sub is supposed to create the feel, the thump, the boom. It's supposed to, right, emanate yes. really, really low frequencies that we don't hear, but we feel it in our chest, which is what makes your house feel like a movie theater. Yes, I spend a lot of time working on that actually. And I bring out subwoofer types, things called <laughs> shakers that mount to your car yeah. seat and play to the beat of the music. I play those back to elephants to broadcast <laughs> their own vocalization through the ground and then um, wow. document how they can detect that vocalization through bone conduction or through somatosensory reception. And this is the subject of a whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that, so That's wild. what I spend a lot of time doing because we have very good bone conduction hearing, uh, but our, our bone conduction hearing aids aren't as good as they could be, should be, and elephants are masters at bone conduction detection. So right. I'm trying to see what we can learn about the elephant ear to apply to human bone conduction hearing aids. Wow. 
I'm fascinated with that. I, 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 I would love to continue on that track, but maybe for a different, maybe a different day, we're going to have to continue on that track because here, what we're kind of, the reason we're meeting is to talk about kind of the pivot uh, in 2020 that so many industries and organizations and individuals made. And, and you both have, you know, this season, I'm talking to people who went through a pivot of their own, but I'm also speaking to people kind of on, who are experts on topics related to being able to make that pivot resilience and creativity and adaptability. We can kind of talk to, you can kind of talk to both of those because you both have a lot to say about the human connection aspect of being able to pivot, uh, which is right, which is one of the core aspects of resilience um, is is connection. Um, but you also had to make your own pivot in your own industry in your own organization. So maybe let's just start with this. In March of 2020, I don't know, March 12th, 13th, 14th, those two days that none of us will ever forget as long as we live. Um, what was the first thing that went through your head? What were the first emotions you felt? What was your immediate response to the world is closing down? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, uh, all of 2019, I was preparing for this big pivot into a huge fundraising effort for my nonprofit, Utopia Scientific, which supports all of my elephant research. And at the same time, writing this book that I that just came out, Wild Rituals, and I took the month of February 2000 off to finalize the book. So I stayed at home in San Diego. My husband's got a position at UCSD. So we were here and then flew back to Boston March 1st, uh, ready to do all of my middle ear work on the elephants, having you know finished the first draft of the book. And uh, I had hired a fundraiser um, to help me with my nonprofit. We had lined up all of these benefits and photography benefits, exhibitions uh, in fancy winery venues and a whole bunch mm. of uh, galleries. Uh, and all of a sudden, three weeks later, we got back to Boston, we unpacked, started my experiments and oh my gosh, the pandemic hit, the hospital shut down. I work at um, um, Mass Eye and Ear, uh, which is part mm -hmm. of Mass General Hospital. And uh, they didn't want us to come in anymore because researchers doing their research, there's the whole thing, just everything shut down. And my husband's like, wait, we don't want to live through the pandemic in the middle of a city. Let's go home. But we didn't want to fly home when like things were going crazy. So three weeks after we got to Boston, we went back to San Diego <laughs> and we've been here ever since. And oh my gosh, I had no idea, but I made a huge pivot and it was an exciting process. You know, there's this choice and moment of choice that you can make either implode or explode. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I have done really well with it. It's a big challenge, but um, mm -hmm. faced with the collapse of my huge plans, I pivoted. I, um, you know, the other thing that I always do in the summer for the last 20 years, I've been going back every year to Namibia to my elephant field site. And um, mm. this was the first year in 20 that we didn't go. And that's wow. also part of my fundraising as we have donor volunteers come and support the research. So everything collapsed. Um, but in the ashes of that, interns came to me and asked to help with my research in between their degrees. I sometimes get people that 
want to build their resume um, while they're waiting to apply to graduate school. And this time over the summer, I was like, well, I was supposed to be in the field anyway, so I'm going to invest some time in this uh, while I'm doing, you know, analyzing my data from the lab. Fortunately, I was able to get data in the lab before we shut down. <laughs> so analyzing that data in the background and then bringing in these interns that I, I really love to support young women who are just got their undergraduate degree, but they don't have enough on their resume uh, to be competitive for graduate school or apply for a uh, NSF grant to fund them in grad school. So they came to me and we've been working uh, ever since on all of this elephant field data and they're doing mm -hmm. a fantastic job and I'm building up this, um, you know, I had done it sort of on the side before, but now it's an official program and I really feel good about helping these young women and, and men too, but I particularly trying to help young women in science get out there and, sure. and make their careers successful. Uh, so I've got this new program that I work on that we've got several papers submitted and um, the fundraising has now gone online. This uh, person that I had brought on to help me fundraise she had to pivot as well. She does all of her fundraisers now uh, through a podcast system online. And so we're going to do that. And then people, because my book launched, people have been reaching out to me about the book and offering their wineries for uh, a post-pandemic uh, fundraiser. So all of these different things are falling into place in a way that I hadn't expected. And the other thing that was an unexpected uh, treat was that in the writing of this book about how to re-engage in ritual and give us a deeper connection with ourselves and nature, the, the guidelines, the step-by-step -step process of, of what I recommend in the book, I actually had to take, you know, sometimes you have great advice but, and, and I teach writing, I teach science writing, and sometimes I, I'm giving this great advice, I think, sometimes I'm not taking my advice at all. Right. <laughs> what am I yeah. doing? But I had the time to really sit back and think and, and practice what it is that I was recommending step by step in my book about wild rituals and really focusing on yourself, taking the, the opportunity of this isolation rather than thinking of it as a devastating thing, which it is. And, and, psychologically, sure. mentally, we can't engage with each other like we would in person. Uh, we're missing touch, we're missing smiling at each other, um, just interacting in person. And what I've done instead was, what can I do to make myself the best person I can possibly be from the inside out? And one of my chapters is on renewal rituals. There's 10 rituals in the book. And that ritual if you really think about what makes you happy and uh, what makes you a strong person, confident, it starts from the inside. And, and it started from my gut. So I had this journey going from cleansing my gut to then being more focused on all the benefits of, you know, you, you're smarter if you eat better and you're more confident and happy and just more physically fit and energetic. And then moving out to, okay, well, how am I appearing to other people and posture, you know, we talk about power poses and uh, <laughs> what happens hormonally when you're uh, 
in a situation where, look, I, right now I'm thinking, okay, I have to have my shoulders up and in my <laughs> power pose rather than kind of sometimes I'll, I'll <laughs> hunch forward. Got to remember and just, what know, my media informal. coach taught me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just, um, so through the step-by-step -step, uh, each ritual that I go through, it's just a, a way for us to reconnect with ourselves to be better people, to have stronger bonds with our friends and loved ones and our mm -hmm. business partners and relationships. And then from there, um, I talk about the inspirations we can get by watching how other social animals engage in ritual. And just by mm -hmm. seeing, say, for example, the reverence that one elephant will say hello to another by placing their trunk in the other one's mouth, you know, that's a very <laughs> trusting thing because the other elephant could bite there's a very sensitive trunk. So that trusting behavior is is something that's very ritualized and very it's a very reverent thing. And when I mm. see elephants engaging in that, it just, you know, it also, if you have a dog at home, it reminds you of the importance of greeting. And, you know, we mm. might wake up in the morning and we're so tired, we don't even want to look at our partner in the face, and uh, get my coffee, where we actually do much better if we look at each other in the face and smile at each other and whether you say I love you or just even just looking at each other, gaze is a really important um, element of our health. It, it, it releases mm. oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone and makes us feel good and it gives us stronger relationships. Great way to start mm. the day, just so simple. Look each other in the eye, say good morning. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that reminds me of one of my all time favorite quotes from uh, Nicholas Epley uh, up in Chicago, and he said, uh, "You know, nobody waves, but everybody waves back, right?" Uh, you know, like, that's that's a know, really good one. <laughs> yeah, you know, like nobody smiles, but everybody smiles back. If you smile first, whether it's your spouse or a stranger or whatever, uh, people smile back, and then there's that. I don't even know why I'm smiling at you. You're a stranger, but that there's something about it, right? That's that that we're missing with the masks, uh, obviously. So there, there's had to be other other ways and 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 but yeah no i i i love that. it's so funny just a little while ago when you said that you, you realize you 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 not necessarily rarely but you don't always take your own advice you write this stuff you know I, i'm a writer i got a weekly blog i got a book i'm working on a second one this book right the pivot book and i think that's one of the misunderstood things about people who are speakers um you know keynoters people who teach um coaches consultants is that they're somehow these super people that have mastered this thing that they teach it's like no most of those people the reason they teach that thing is cuz they themselves are usually so bad at it they somehow <laughs> made it their life's work cuz somehow you know um uh, Peter Gazzardi, the kind of uh, legendary book editor to the stars, Stephen Hawking, Susan Cain, all, all, all of them, Carol Burnett. Um, he, I had the very great pleasure of having him on my podcast a few seasons ago. And Peter said, um, the writer always writes the book they need to read. You know? <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. In some of yeah, my that's... science memoirs, uh, Elephant Secret Sense, Elephant Dawn, I really feel like that it's a journaling process. And to help me see what I'm studying, to help me see it better, it's like storyboarding your your research. It, oh, you you see it better, and it yeah. makes more sense that way. And and it does help me, and and hopefully it helps others too. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so you had this crazy journey uh, of of this pivot. But what struck me as you were telling it was you really had a big smile. You really lit up as you were telling this whole crazy story. And I'm sure the whole year while you were going through it was not happy and nice and fun and easy as it was all happening. I'm sure there was a lot of really difficult moments. Did you have any, did you have moments with, say, with your your fundraising efforts where you thought like, my God, like this is going to collapse. Like uh, if I can't, I'm not going to do this fundraising and it's all going to be gone. It's all for nothing. Did you have those moments? It did, it did collapse, it completely collapse because we couldn't have mm-hmm. any of these venues. And fortunately, I planned this while I have my uh, my research career going, you know, I, I have I got a five year NIH grant to study this elephant bone conduction comparison to humans, but I didn't want the nonprofit just to be sitting doing nothing in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So my plan was to build it out so I could hire researchers to work full time and really get the elephant conservation work and some of the great research we've been doing out there at the same time. Fortunately, I could press the pause button and it didn't affect, you know, I didn't lose my house over it, didn't lose, um, you know, my life. I I was trying to build that to step over to it later. And what I had, I had to press the pause button, but in pressing pause, it actually moved the project further just um, spontaneously, and and I've gotten great research papers out of it unexpectedly because everyone else was also in pause. And how to move forward? People approached me, and we made this plan uh, to do this work together. And uh, hopefully, I can get grant money to to actually support them financially. But right now, we've all been volunteering on this effort. <laughs> so it's, it's you been know working. so 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 interesting about about what you just said was that you paused, but so did everybody else. And so all of a sudden, while everybody was just kind of sitting around and in this like deep collective, the whole world took a deep breath for a minute. Uh, people were accessible. Ideas were accessible all of a sudden. I I, I give a lot of um, speeches, workshops for colleges, now virtually for students. I do a lot of work with students and a lot of grad students and and seniors and grad students. I kept finding myself over and over saying to them, there's never been a window for you to get in touch with your heroes or the leaders of organizations or the CEOs. There's never been a window like this and there never will be again when this closes. Like they are all sitting at home on LinkedIn, on Twitter, like all of us are with nowhere to go and nothing to do. If there's anyone you ever wanted to get in touch with through your career for any reason, you can probably get in touch with them right now. And it was amazing watching people do that. Like the the, the people were just open to connection. They were open to new ideas because we were all, we got off the hamster wheel for a moment. Yes, yes. And that that's the perfect opportunity. You know, in this book, um, Wild Rituals, which I, yeah, you know, I, I love these animals. Are those zebras? <laughs> At these are are zebras. those zebras on the cover? <laughs> yes. Um, there's zebras. Wait, we talked about zebras, elephants for half an hour. Why are there zebras uh, on the cover of your book? <laughs> because the, the the book is about all social animals. And okay. zebras have this lovely way of greeting each other with their muzzle and they nip each other and they wrap their necks in, like, uh, in a hug. And uh, it just, you know, I... It, 
people talk about, oh, you've got to slow down and smell the roses and take a breath. But the pandemics made us do that. And, yeah. and so we have this very special, make it a special time to dedicate yourself to thinking more about what, what, what really matters in life and what you should be doing with yourself. And this is a real opportunity to do that. And writing this book and going through each of these rituals and how important, you know, spoken rituals, unspoken rituals, these very subtle uh, body language that, uh, you know, I, I study that a lot in elephants because male elephants mm -hmm. love to posture. Uh, Don't um, we all? Yes, yes, we do. And, <laughs> and to pay attention to what signals we are giving out by that posturing is very mm -hmm. important and could be very good for you or if you're not paying attention, not so good for you. Um, mm. But these animals have inspired uh, a reminder of how important ritual is and how important getting in touch with yourself and how that can help strengthen your relationship with, with other people and with nature. And, and travel, yeah. once we can get back to travel, travel does yeah. give you a very important perspective about yourself and where you are yeah. in life by just being away from your normal environment. I, you know, I, I, I miss travel so much. I don't miss traveling. 16 years of being on the road, 200 to 300 days a year. I don't miss the airports and and I mean I, I I like the airport kind of culture but like I don't miss the wasted time in the exhaustion airports and planes and rental cars and waiting in lines but boy do I miss being in new places and with new people and in new restaurants and in different cultures all the time I've every time I think I've been like I've I've been across five continents and then I look at the amount of countries and I'm like wow I've been a lot of places and then you go oh god there's so many more places to go yeah, that are. I haven't been like look <laughs> how many places there are yes. um you know you talk to some some people and through sometimes no fault of their own who've never been out of their home state in the U.S., you know, and and that happens a lot um, in the middle of the U.S. And this is not a stereotype or 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 a knock on them, but it happens a lot in Mid America, where I'll be in Nebraska and I'll talk to the Lyft driver and and you know ask them and they will say, "Boy, someday I'd love to go to New York City." And go, "Oh, well, where have you been?" And they'll go, "I don't understand the question." Like you know, I've never <laughs> been ten miles from where from here, uh, and and you just go, "Boy, it's." the perspective um, that you get from being in new cultures and seeing how different people think completely differently than you do. Um, you're, you're, you're always the other like, to somebody else, right? That you are the other perspective. You're the other side. You're the crazy one to somebody. Yes. Um, yes. Really I, interesting. I, I do talk about that in my book as I talk about how different cultures have rituals. Say so just, you know, even simply the greeting ritual and how it's evolved differently in different cultures mm. and and it just it's so fascinating to see how we can express each other uh, express ourselves so differently and yet have the same meaning and same reverence uh so it's it's very interesting can, can you give me an example of that i'm really curious about the greeting because uh, i'm i'm as you might imagine by having only met me for half an hour i'm the guy that We'll start a conversation with any stranger anywhere, any all the time. Right. I wrote a book about it, like, <laughs> like literally wrote a book about it. Um, and so I love I, I, it's like to me, it's like a game, but not a game in like a sleazy. It's a game of like, can I get this stranger to smile? This person I just met eight seconds ago and I'm not going to see ever again in two minutes, like while we're standing in line for coffee. Can I get them to laugh? Can I get them to smile? Can I make them happy or think about something? Oh, that's um, a very to good me, that, goal. That's fun. 
Yes. Um, but but for and, and many it, people, it's not, you know, eyes down. It's very scary. <laughs> eyes yeah. down, no, it's, stand it's, in line, it's very waiting scary. for your coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, and, and, and we we get into a habit of treating each other like transactions instead of like like people. That um, is you're a just great an obstacle way on the it. way to my coffee. Yes. It's tr very transactional. Well, yeah. I learned a lot from uh, a culture that I worked with in Namibia for three years. I had to, I was charged with helping them keep elephants out of their cornfields, <laughs> which was not an easy Ooh. task. But the thing that- <laughs> Just wait a second, just time, just that in and of itself. Look at, think about the perspective. Oh you're in the gosh. States, in the US, you're, most people listening to this are probably in North America, Europe, whatever. And nobody listening to, the, very few people listening to this could identify with a problem like, how do I keep elephants out of my cornfield, right? Yes, like, a crop how pest. crazy I is mean, that? I came from getting a master's degree in entomology in Hawaii where, you know, crop pests would be a microscopic insect on rice or tomatoes or something. But uh, mm. so to have this gigantic <laughs> crop pest was a bit of a challenge. Wow. <laughs> but, wow. but, um, but to my point, I worked with this culture that was so wonderfully, refreshingly different. They always were so happy to see you and they have elaborate greeting ceremonies with, you know, they'd put one hand on top of the other and crouch down and, and say the morning ritual, Natambuga. And um, they are always so happy and they have yeah. so little compared to us. And it's just so, Wonderful to see that, and these these reverent greetings. One day, I was looking for a problem elephant it had gone from one field to another, so we're interviewing people. And this one old woman came up to me. It was actually kind of dusk, and people had been drinking a little bit. You know, the the fresh home brew was done, so everyone was celebrating. And this one old woman came around me, and a bunch of older women came laughing because you know I'm the white person here in the middle of their fields. What is going on here? Let's celebrate! We. And so one of them took my hand, and she started going. She was spitting into my the palm of my hand, and I thought, oh, no. "What is happening? <laughs> Somebody explain what's going on." You know, I'm trying to smile and not seem afraid. Uh, and then the 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 ranger that I was working with came over, and he explained, "Oh, she is calling up her ancestors. The spittle is like water into a fire, and the embers of the fire. Oh my goodness! <laughs> they believe their ancestors in, are in those embers. So if you spit, you." splash water onto the ambers they they spit up so she was trying to do that on my hand to call up her ancestors to say hello to me oh my goodness <laughs> and it Boy, was, i, I oh was a germaphobe before covid uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. no thank <laughs> you <laughs> but this was supposed to be a great wow. honor <laughs> yeah no that's 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 amazing um I, let, let's let's bring this back to the let's bring this back to the 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 pivot though because i'm so curious uh what you having studied this for so long um we got your pivot story but let's say now you're you're talking to somebody you know in a future generation of business owner freelancer artist nonprofit founder um who has to go through something monumental some big shift and they need you need to tell them something now in a time capsule that would help them be ready for for it you've talked a lot about connection and the connection with others being a huge way that you were able to make your pivot right by having a network of people who trust you mm -hmm. um, what what advice would you have for for the next generation who encounters their year of the pivot 
Um, mm. if, you, if you implode or just wait for it to blow over and think, because we all thought it was going to be a couple of months. And I was, you know, we flew back to San Diego in March and I thought we'd be back in May. <laughs> there was a point where they said, you know, we're just going to close the campuses for two weeks. Like that was my world where I was doing, I was in the middle of a college tour, you know, for months doing colleges across America. And they said, we're going to close the campuses for two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> then, and then it was, then it, oh, now it's a month. And now, okay, all of spring semesters, the rest of it's going to be online. But we'll be uh, back in the fall. But we'll be back, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to say to the next generation um, when we usually don't know it's going to be a year or longer. When something sure. like this happens, you don't know how long yeah. it's going to happen. And so yeah. um, to make that long-term plan, you know, it, it's better to think long-term. It's like, okay, if this yeah. could be two weeks, this could be a month. What can I do to regroup? What can I do that if everything is shut down, what's the advantage for me? Hey, I can get busy writing my new business plan, which I couldn't have done before because I was in all of these meetings. Take advantage of that time that you have a gap. What I did was write a lot more and, and um, you know, I had more time to edit my book, which was great. And then I had I included more things about the pandemic because I had the time to do that. So take the things that you had been putting aside, like your business plans or reaching out to new people and think about growing your network. Take the opportunity of, of this pause and really just run into it and don't pause. Do all the things that you didn't have time to do and take advantage of this time and really when it comes out the other side it's like oh my gosh look at this product i mean to to me that was the gift of um and we we had we had terrible things happen in our family we had deaths and we had all we went through a difficult year um but the silver lining of the year was you know i i would have missed the entire pregnancy my wife's first our you know first pregnancy i would have missed all of it i got to spend every second with her i would have i might have missed the birth of my son i was there and not only was i there but i've never missed a single day of his life since he's been born and that and i bet you look was back, a gift i bet you look back and think oh my gosh there's no way i ever would have wanted to miss that but if oh, you were the on the that... road you just like I wouldn't have known what I was missing knowing now what I would have missed like I'm almost like I'm upset at a at a parallel universe version of me that had to go that's going through that like some in some other sci-fi parallel universe who didn't have the pandemic and is missing all this I'm like what are you doing (laughs) I know I I I totally I love that analogy that it really is you can be thinking about that parallel and I often do because all the things that I didn't couldn't do and be out in the field and yeah. we were going to film you know an elephant docudrama there are all kinds of things that i my parallel sure. world was doing <laughs> <laughs> but but i feel really there are so many rewards to what i've done instead because i pivoted yeah. and and turned inside and took advantage of all these people that don't have anything to do right now and we built this beautiful thing out of it amazing how would you describe your 2020 in one word? Um, this may seem strange, but I would call it inspirational. Uh, that's my one word. <laughs> inspirational. That's great. It's a, it's a great word. What characteristics or personality traits of yours and we've kind of, we, we have done this, so you, we don't need to belabor it, but what characteristics or personality traits of yours would you say were critical to your survival, if not your thriving in the last year? 
My biggest characteristic, I would say, is my dogged determination um, not to implode, <laughs> which, <laughs> which you know, it could happen. And, yeah. you know, uh, I'm a swimmer, um, not as much mm-hmm. a runner, but I will run if I can't swim. But when our pool opened back up in July uh, at, at UCSD, um, mm-hmm. I joined the master's program and it really forced me to just get a hold of myself and mm. whew, um, it it helped great. a lot i love it dogged determination that was a great uh sounds like a punk band from the 70s <laughs> that's, um, a good that's great uh lastly at this point we are in the end of january 2021 so we know when this is happening in the timeline in the future uh what is your outlook on the future of your business so this could this is really more to your your nonprofit and the work you're 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 doing what's your outlook at this point um my outlook for utopia scientific the nonprofit that my husband and i started and um I, I'm really excited. I uh, the the book that I just published was also positioning for uh, fundraising for the nonprofit, partly to showcase our photography and all of these different animals that we're trying to encourage uh, people to care about and to care about the environment. I feel like I'm in this past year have really positioned myself to have a better platform to um, to really get the word out. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of feedback to want to help me raise money in this next year. So I feel like 2020, even though it was supposed to be my big launch year, it actually leveraged me to a higher position that when the pandemic ends, I'm going to be in a much stronger position with many more venues and more interest and um, mm. People interested in making a TV series out of some of my projects, and wow. so it's it's uh, it's really exciting. That's awesome. No, I'm I'm so glad to hear it. So uh, before I let you go, your book is Wild Rituals. Where should they find that? Where should everybody go look for that? Uh, you can go to your favorite bookstore. Um, uh, you know. Barnes and Noble, and uh, right. it's really available everywhere. Uh, Amazon. Where and and for the people uh, like me who still are unwilling, uh, almost a year uh, later, to go into a store for fear of germs, uh, where should they find it online? Um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Is it just on, on Amazon. Is there a website for the book or anything in particular? Yes, my uh, author site is CaitlinOconnell.com, uh, okay, all great. one word, and UtopiaScientific.org. Um, Great. Yeah. And the book is we'll published have those by the... Chronicle. So you could also get it on Chronicle's website. Great. Okay. So we'll have, we'll have all those links in the show notes description, wherever this, wherever this ends up. And is there anywhere you'd like people to be able to connect with you? Do you do social media? Are you on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere? Yes. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, my handle is elephant skinny. And um, <laughs> yeah, That's you can. Great. That's great. Get the skinny there. And I'm on Facebook and yeah, (laughs) reach out. Great. Okay. Well, listen, this has been um, totally unexpected. Uh, Honestly, I had no idea what I was getting into here. And even if I did, I don't think I could have planned for this uh, conversation. That was, this was awesome from audio 
to elephants that may be the title uh from audio <laughs> uh to uh to to connection and um spitting in our hands Okay. Uh, yes. So <laughs> there's uh, quite a range there. <laughs> there was a range in a very short amount of time. Uh, this was a real pleasure, and I'm excited to see how the uh, how how it all uh, shapes up. I'm excited to read the book. Um, uh, more excited than I than I would have ever been, uh, having actually had a conversation with you about it. So, um, thank you so much for your time, and let's stay in touch. Well, thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. It was really fun. 